Hello and welcome to the Blackout Podcast where I get to talk to amazing people who do amazing things and today I have Chieta Jones, working mom and professional juggler. Thanks for coming to the podcast today. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. You did. (laughs) (laughs) I know the professional juggler part like (laughs) made me laugh but um, honestly I'm I'm glad I'm glad to be glad to be here. Thank you so much. Okay so I mean Chieta the name isn't obviously Nova Scotian. No. So let's start with that. Where's the name from? So the name is from Zimbabwe. Um, so it means light or dawn. Um, it's a Shana name. So Zimbabwe is where I'm from. Um, and I I liked to believe for the longest time that I was given that name because I was light in my parents' life. Apparently, I was named after a child that they liked, but that's what <laughs> they do. You know, this is the second time I'm hearing this story. Like parents need to learn how to lie to their kids. Really. Yesterday I was at a thing, and then the, there's this lady. She has her name is Yvonne, and then. Yes. Like there was this, there's this man. You should know Yvonne Chaka Chaka, right? Yes, yes, exactly. Yes, yes. So, so I'm like, is that what they named you after? And she's like, um, I thought that's what they named you after. And then my parents told me, I'm like, what? No, they, they should just anyway. Okay. <laughs> the story is never as good, but I think for me, I find that names are very, very important from our culture where we come from. So, so Zimbabwe being Shana. Names are very, very important. I, I don't want to generalize Africa, but I feel like that's the general sense across a lot of cultures is that when a name is given to you, there's something that's being spoken over you based on the meaning. Mm-hmm. So um, regardless of the fact that I was, you know, mm-hmm. named over a child, named after a child that they liked, I think for me, I still see it as, okay, anytime that I'm introducing myself, I'm introducing myself as Chiedza. Anytime someone is calling me, they're calling me Chiedza. And so there's a lot of importance there for me to say, okay, that's my name, Chiedza. It means light. So um, I have a sort of obligation, if you will, to be light in a situation as mm. best as I can, because that's what's being called out of me. And that's what I'm also calling out of myself anytime my name is said. Hmm. Yeah, I, I, it works. It works when you know what your name means. Right, <laughs> right, 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 right. But, yeah. but do you feel like, do you feel like you are kind of also putting pressure on yourself? I don't think so. I think I, I extend grace to myself where I fall short in right. terms of that. I think, I mean, I, I will be the first to say I am not light <laughs> in every situation. But I think when you, when I, I, when if I think of maybe where sort of that comes from is there's also a faith-based, faith-based aspect to it. Right. Um, where it's just like, you know, the power of your words. So for me, um, faith-wise, I'm, I'm a Christian. And so um, there's power in your words. So if you're saying something or if you're calling someone something, like there's meaning to that so I think it's sort of not so much the expectation that you have to be Mm. but it's just a reminder that this is who you are especially if at any point you don't feel like that's what you are Mm. then that's a reminder of like no I'm Chiedza that's who I am Mm. so not so much that I'm solely called to be light in a situation but I can just remind myself that like you know you can still be a light in this situation if you haven't been or if you're doubting yourself or or your capabilities or whatever it may be so Mm -hmm. I think that's where the important is for me um and then i've sort of passed that on to to my kids hopefully in terms of what their name is what, what? names are and their meanings yeah what, what are they? 
So, so they have three names each, but I think mm-hmm. which all have meaning. Um, but they're Shana names. So my daughter's name is Minana, which is miracles or wonders. And my son's name is Guinyai, which means um, to be strong um, and united. Which um, one came Shana first? As well. which, which child came first? Yeah. Minana. Oh, so yeah, how is so she a miracle? Yeah, well, she's like obligated to like carry out workout <laughs> miracles and whatnot. <laughs> um, so for that, when we named her that, I think initially for us, it was really just, you know, that God is going to work out miracles in her life and through her. Mm-hmm. Um, but having her and I think just watching her grow for me is like, it's literally just, and not just for her, like human life and kids when they grow is like awe-inspiring for me. It's wow. miraculous for me how you wake up one day and you can't do anything for yourself. And then like, you know, two months from now, you're learning to do this and learning to do that. Mm-hmm. So I think for me, that was sort of the aha moment in terms of having her as my firstborn and having her with that name was like, oh, yeah, she she it, she inspires all within me. Um, by being able to see how she's growing and saying, okay, wow, God is amazing because he's working out a miracle and she's just a miracle and, you know, just how she's growing and developing over time. So I think that's where it comes from. The names wow. get hard to say depending on where in the world you right, are and then right, you get right, called right. all sorts I, I of things. I think Minana is pretty straightforward. <laughs> it's a boy's name that... Guinyai, yeah. yeah, yeah. So we're, we're calling him by his second name, Omari. But yeah, Guinyai, Guinyai seems to be hard to say for some people. And I think Minana too, when people I mean, see it... I don't think... You know what you should do? You should tell them, like, if you can say Guyana, you know the country. Yeah. Just, then you, know, you can just, say Guinyai. Yeah. 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 Just like Minana. Now, I get it with my name because... She Chiesa, which people can say once they break down, but I, I get a lot of Chiesda, um, <laughs> a, a lot of it. I've been called all sorts of things. It's my biggest pet peeve because right. when I break it down and I say to people, Chi as in cheese, Ed as in Edward, Za as in Zara, if you can say those things, you can say my name. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I think for me, I've been very intentional as well about you know, just because your name isn't a name that a lot of people have heard, it doesn't mean that you have to conform to like, oh, let me use my second name, Lilius, because then people can say it easily. It's you will learn to say yeah, my no, name. Yeah, no, it's true. It's true. Because <laughs> like, I mean, that's not like the person's name isn't my language. So yeah, there was a video I saw of this lady and she was being introduced by, I think it wasn't BBC, but some mm-hmm. English thing. And she kept correct. She's a, I think it was a Nigerian. I'm not sure. Yeah. I can't recall now. But she kept correcting the lady. This is how you say my name. And like, you know, the internet, everyone, the internet is just the worst place, man. <laughs> everyone just had a comment about that. Okay. So one thing I like doing is kind of going back. Yeah. You know, just getting to this time travel machine and going back. And one thing I, I'm curious about, which is what things did you want to be when you were growing up? So I, when I was in grade two, um, I, I wrote a letter. I, I, you know, you have those assignments of what do you want to be when you grow up? Um, and I wanted, I said, I wanted to If you to went be a... to one of the good schools. <laughs> <laughs> I went to one of the good Exactly. If you went to one of the That was not a common assignment. <laughs> no, no, like, oh. you know, no, like, if you went to one of the good schools, yes. then they'll ask you stuff. If you went to uh, one of those schools where the teacher is like, whatever. <laughs> whatever. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. True. okay. That's true. And I wanted to be a teacher. What? Um, yeah, I wanted to be a teacher when I was in second grade. And then I wanted to be an air hostess. Um, and then I wanted to be um, a police 
um, a police officer. Why are those children in difficult This was when I was young. This is when I was small. When I got more serious about um, career, I actually wanted to be an actress. Um, an actress and a director and actually applied for an art school and got in. Um, this was, I was, I was 17 at the time. So it was an art school in, um, in South Africa called AFTA, AFDA. I, yeah, yeah. Yes. So I got in, in and Cape I was Town, in, or... I think, yeah, in Cape Town. Holy yeah. Shit. So I got in and I was, I wanted to go, um, and, and, and like law school was also like playing in the back of my mind, but I really, really was passionate uh, and still am passionate about the arts, really wanted to be an actress. I right. was like, Hollywood, this is, here we, here we come. Right. Um, and then I had a conversation with my uncle um, and he was like, you need to have a backup plan because, you <laughs> know, parents, <laughs> you need to have a backup plan. Um, and so I shifted. What I was the backup shifted. plan? The backup plan then was to do, um, I decided to do international development studies, which is what I ended up doing. Um, I, I think perhaps it's sort of, it's one of those, those, um, fields of study where it's like, when I grow up, I want to be like, there isn't like a set, then I will be a, and this is the name of like the, the occupation, right? Um, but I think it also came in at a time where, uh, Zimbabwe, again, where I'm from was going through a lot, which, which it's still going through. Um, and I just became very curious about like, what are the issues in the country that I'm from and why are these issues and how did we get here? Um, and I didn't want to get those solutions from propaganda. I wanted to actually go to school and study and get a good sense of like, why are we where we are as a country when we used to be like the breadbasket of Africa? What made those changes? So, Mm. um, I pivoted, yeah, away from, away from the arts, um, and into international development studies. Okay, so you know it's funny you mentioned that you want to be a hostess, a police officer, and a teacher. <laughs> and if you look at it, all those things are in your international development thing. This is well, you get to travel. Hostess. Yes, yes. As yes, a hostess, yes. you get to kind of police set up policies. <laughs> yeah, true. And you get to teach because you'd say, "This is what I learned. This is how we're going to do." Right, so, right, right. That's true. It all came together. Thank you. You know Thank what? You. <laughs> what I, what, I, what I'm learning lately is that. Is is that thing you want to be as a child, child? Yeah. That we should kind of focus on. And if you think of the things like now, I know you kind of just people that ended up where you are, yeah. but you love it. It's because this little cheddar girl always wanted to be that thing, and now she, you know, cheddar the woman gets to do all these things that she right. wanted to do back then. Right. It's no. It's true. It's true. That makes sense. And I think. It's sort of looking at like those dreams that you have as a child and how they contribute to what you then end up doing as an adult. Mm. Um, so that for me has been good because even with the arts, uh, I'm not an actress. No, but um, if you want to but... take it further, if you want to <laughs> take it further, I, I would finish like that was just the first part. So the yeah. second part is like the acting and the directing. Right. You also kind of do that. Because there are meetings where you just have to be like, this person is talking bullshit. Oh, and then just act and be like, yeah, yeah, that's totally it. That's totally it. So you still get to And then the directing part, if you're working with a team, you kind of have to get people to do the things that you want to do. So all those things you want to do is still in there. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, and then you also have the spoken word as an right, album. But we'll get right, to that. Right, right, So yeah. you, you did the international thing? And I did. You did you start in Zim? Or? No, no, no. So I started at, at St. Mary's University. Sorry, I was just oh, going to say. Went yeah, to... I went to, I went, oh, I came here straight of, for university. Because of like what was happening in Zim and stuff. Well, not so much that. Oh, so okay. I think, you know, there's some people who chose to stay and do they, you know, university there. I think I think for me, um, it's it's so tricky because it's like if you stay, it doesn't necessarily mean and, and a lot of people who don't have um who don't have like the resources to go out will stay. Um and for some of them they are able to to um make things out of that. Um, out of, you know, education are able to maybe, whether it's starting their own business, getting involved with other businesses that are existing. I don't want to make the situation seem too peachy because it's... the unemployment rate is high. For a lot of people, they're graduating and don't know what's next, mm. um, if they can even get into, you know, uh, post-secondary education. Mm. Um, but for me, I, I really wanted to to go out and be somewhere else. I think a small part of it is like wanting that like experience of being, you know, far away from home and whatnot um but um yeah i i think it was also part of that if you know at least if you're out there you get an education out there then maybe opportunities open up while you're out there and mm -hmm. then um you're you're in a place that's more stable mm -hmm. economically and so for me it was like after university then went to st mary's university how do you yeah. pick canada though um, very good question. There was a lady who was, um, she was an agent for universities and she said the, there are some universities. In it. It's not a, it's not a fabulous, like, here it is story. Like, it's just, she was like, there are two universities here. Um, there were, there were scholarships that were available. She said there are two universities here. Um, Winnipeg, the University of Winnipeg, I think, and St. Mary's University. Pick what you want to apply, and the first one, the first or um, the first university that gets back to you, that's the one you'll go to. And it happened to oh be my God. St. Mary's University. So yeah. it worked out. It worked out. The scholarship mm. did not come through. Oh, no. But yeah, no, it did not come through. But it worked out. It okay. worked out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I was shaking my head because I've been to Winnipeg and it's lovely. Don't yeah. get me wrong. Like the like it's beautiful and Film, talking of film, their tax credit is, oh, I have to make a film right. there sometime. But everyone is like, you don't want to be here in winter. Because apparently right. their winter is nuts. And I'm like, so someone's like minus 14. I'm like, how do, what do you even do there? Apparently, everyone has a thing where you have to kind of like have to plug your car in. So like your battery gets like warm or else you won't be able to start. Uh, I'm like, nope, nope, I'm not doing me. that. Could never be me. Okay, so you Could moved to yeah. um, St. Mary's. How was St. Yeah. Mary's for you? It was good. It was good. Um, at that time, I think I, I stayed on campus, so it was good. I think even just as far as culture culture shock. Um, as And when I say culture shock, for me, it was really just, to be honest, being in a country where for the first time, you not, ever, not most of the people look like you, right? right? Which is not completely unusual. I mean, in Zimbabwe, we, had, we, have, we, yeah, we have white people. Yeah. So that wasn't unusual. But I think again it's like you're sort of like in the minority right, that is different right? right you have to sort of like think through that um again you take for granted that you're back home and people know how to say your name things like that and you get here and that's not the case but i appreciated that there was um there was a i, I would say a tight-knit african community that was at St. Mary's University. Mm -hmm. And so I had a couple of people who I knew, I really felt at home. Um, and that, I think that really helped. Um, even, you know, then of course, like getting involved with like the rest of like, 
you know, society, for lack of a better word. But I think it helped having those people around um, as sort of like support um, and, a, and a piece of home as did well. Did you meet all yeah. the Zimbabweans when you were in the I did, I did. Yeah, they weren't too many back then. Now there are a lot. And so most in most cases, you don't know other Zimbabweans and you meet them for the first time mm. and that's different. But before, most people, yeah, most people knew each other when I came. That was 2011. And what did yeah. you do right out of school? But right out of uh, of university, mm-hmm. um, I went and I did my master's in international <sighs> development studies. You began. like school, man? <laughs> I just I love to learn. I love to learn. I was like, okay, let's ma- do was this. Was it also masters. in St. Mary's? Also in St. Mary's, yeah. Also at St. Mary's. And so I was like, today. okay. So what's the difference though? Like, what would be the difference between that first degree and your master's? And your master's degree, outside of just the expectation of like, wow, you're so amazing. <laughs> you're just, I mean, and I think. It's interesting because I was actually talking to somebody about it recently that I think it's sort of this expectation of like, just keep pushing with school to show how smart you are when there's so much more that, you know, I think helps you grow professionally outside of degrees. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, I, I I think for me, it was an opportunity to sort of zone in and what I was interested, zone in on what I was interested in at the t- um, at that time. So for my undergraduate degree, I focused on food security and policy. Um, but of course, you do like a lot of other courses. Um, and so my master's degree was an opportunity for me to really hone in on food security and policy in sub-Saharan Africa. Because again, at the time, um, the UN was the dream. And, you know, I'll get this degree. I have my master's degree. Um, and, you know, it'll open up more opportunities for me. And then we'll, yeah, we'll go hmm. from there. Food security, why though? Uh, because Zimbabwe, so where we had started off with Zimbabwe was just like, this was like a, a, a net exporter of food as far as Zimbabwe was concerned what um, was in the, the 80s. Was exporting? Maize, among other, among other things. But, but as far as maize was concerned, which was also like our staple food, right. like we were a net exporter, right? Um, and then you get to like the 2000s where it's like we're importing food that is supposed to be our own staple food. Never mind like the the economic challenges and issues and yeah. inflation rate that was That on was the time level. when yeah. it was big on the internet. And so I was like, was it a trillion or a billion? I, I, um, would, I would pay three trillion dollars to like take the, the, the bus, what we call like the bus. We call it like a combi, like a commuter right. omnibus is like yeah. the formal term. Yeah, I would pay three trillion at that time. And it was it was crazy because what what money that was valuable in the morning would not have been valuable by the end of the day, right? So wow. um, if you look at like Google, as reliable as it hopefully is, our, our inflation rate got as high as about like sextillion percent, something Holy sextillion. Shit. Yeah, and here we are like, you know, a couple percent you know, inflation here is a big deal. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so when right. you're looking at People inflation, like, that was yes. yeah, it was it was it was crazy. Um, and so so food was I the way that I saw it, I think um, outside of I, I think as far as just the economic well-being mm. of the country, food was a big part of it was a mm. big part of it. Um And so that's why I got into food security and policy in terms of looking at our land reform program that we had in the country, which um, was um, the (laughs) now this gets a little bit of a little bit political in terms of how you sort of put it right, Um, whether it was the taking or the taking back of land. 
um, from um, from from white settlers um, back into the hands um, or ownership um, of black farmers um, or black individuals, because not all of them were farmers, um, and how that impacted our economy. Um, so I was very, very interested in that and then did focused, hence the reason why it was food, food security, security. And, and policy. Yeah. So food, I guess <clears throat> to the lay person, what is food security? So food security is, wow, we're getting academic here. I'm like, I'm about, so food security is, <laughs> um, it really can be broken down into sort of like four, um, four um, uh, aspects, but it really is people having um, enough access. Um, it can be economic access um, or physical access to food um, when they need it. Um, and that food also being adequate for their nutritional ne nutritional needs. Ah. So at the very basic level, that is that is food security. That one would be considered to be food secure if all of those um, areas were taken care of. Okay, 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 yeah. okay. So, yeah. I mean, you study that and then... Uh, did you like apply for UN or no? Because then, then you realize that you know, as an immigrant, maybe the bigger priority at that time is maybe permanent residence right, and right, just right. stay and make sure that you know you you um, are able to create opportunities or better opportunities for yourself. Mm. But I wanted to work in my field, um, which I know is very very difficult for a lot of people who work in international development studies and decide to stay here. Right, a lot of them. It's like, well, you have to have a job so that you're able to apply. And so people will maybe work for like the banks or whatever it may be. But I really, really wanted to work in my field at that time. Um, and so I worked for um, I worked for an organization that um, is focused on food security, but um, also food banks. Um, and so providing um, food to um, individuals who are in need. Um, but also going beyond that to also focusing on policy and how it is that policy can be influenced in order to ensure that people have access to food. And that was here in Halifax. So that worked excellently for me because so I was stay. able to in some way stay, but also work in my field where I could um, still focus on, on food security and policy, but more focused on Nova Scotia specifically. Is that... Um... Feed Nova Scotia. It is. <laughs> it is. Yeah, no. Yeah, it's like, it is. Because yeah, you know, it's... when you mentioned food bank, I was like, yeah. it could be any place. But once you added policy, I was yeah, like, it has it to was... be there. Yes, it was. How was it your was. experience working there? I loved it. I really, I really enjoyed the work that we were doing. Um, I think. One thing that I've learned about places, and, and it's not, not so much the place, but the work, right? Once One thing I've learned about places where you are trying to push for policy change is policy change takes time. So it's the long game. Yes. Right? It's, the, <laughs> yes. it's the long game. And so um, I was so passionate about the work. Um, great people where I worked there, too. Um, it would, but it was it, it, it's the long game when you're looking at policy change. Um, and I think also changing people's perspectives and minds around um, food security um, is that a lot of people sort of think about, OK, well, if we donate food, then that sorts out, sort you know, solves the, the problem. Um, and I think less people think so now. I think Feed Nova Scotia has done a great job um, as wait, far as wait, like, wait, educating wait. people I'm around from that. those people. Like, it's not yes? enough if okay. I give my <laughs> canned food. Yeah, no, it's so it's. 
it's great in terms of addressing an immediate need, right? right. Uh, somebody needs food today. The best thing that you can do is donate food. Um, but somebody wants to get into a wants to get to a point where they're able to um, provide food for themselves, provide food for their household. Well, they need a lot more than just you know canned food and and whatever other donations, fresh food, whatever other donations may come. Mm-hmm. They need policy change that enables them to be able to work. Um, to be able to earn um, a living that allows them to be able to purchase food for themselves. Um, they need um, child care that is either affordable or available if they have children so that their children are somewhere where they can afford and they can go to work because if they don't have anywhere to put their children, then they can't go to work. Mm-hmm. Um, they need affordable housing because housing is also a big thing. Um, and so if you are not able to afford your housing, then, you know, you it's, it's just there are so many other things that sort of come up um it it gets into even things around sort of like addiction so we have to look at even addictions right like how do you support um individuals with with addictions in terms of accessing food and i think also even removing the stigma around people who use the food bank is the assumption is if you see somebody who's going to a food bank and they have a nice car it's like well why are you using the food bank you don't need support but there's so many things that result in people having to use food banks to Mm -hmm. access food Um, And again, like policy has to address those, right? You can have people who are in debt. Um, You may have people who maybe need their car in order to be able to get around to their next job, but they can't afford food. So there's so many areas there, which which I think it's important to be able to educate the public around that Mm. um, so that we're able to put whatever necessary pressure we need to um, on the powers that be that are able to make those those changes policy wise mm-hmm. so that people can access food. Um, so yeah, the donations of course go a long way, but that's not that's not the whole story. So okay, well, working there, how long did you work there for? Uh, I was there for four and a half years. So yeah, four and a half years. working there, what would you say w- was like a really bad day? What was a really bad day working there? <laughs> Um, well, my, my work wasn't front-facing, right? Oh, so, yeah, so right, my work right, wasn't right. front-facing. Um, I I would say, what would I say was a really bad day? Nothing out of the ordinary that perhaps one one wouldn't have. I think maybe if it, in, if it is in terms of maybe trying to make change or provide support um, is when you know that you can only provide limited support to somebody, mm. right? Um, so there's only there's only so much that you can, that we can, that, well, I'm like, we, I don't work there anymore. <laughs> but that, you know, or those organizations can do, right? Mm. Um, so so I think maybe if you're having, if, if, you're, if you wish you could provide somebody with additional support, but you know that maybe, you know, they just lost their job, um, they're not able to pay their rent, right? Like, organizations are that do the work that food banks for example are able to provide the food to maybe get you through the weekend get you through the week get you through maybe a couple of weeks depending on how big the household mm. is and how much that hamper may be but you can only do what you can do so i think maybe sometimes there's sort of that sense of like okay that's that's all we can that's all we can do um, and you want to be able to help people as much as you can. But mm. I think it's just the reality of any organization that you're in. Like your mandate only goes so far. Um, yeah. Well, you, can't, you can't save the world. So <laughs> I can only do All you can, can do, do is try. Yeah, exactly. Wow. exactly. Um, okay. So we talked, started conversation, talk about names. And you mentioned your kids. And 
And it, was, it just hit me that, you know, some of the strongest influences are, you know, like the really, really powerful women in my life and stuff. And and I'm 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 curious, like what what's motherhood been like for you? It's been wonderful. <laughs> Do you hear that a lot when you ask people? <laughs> I, I don't. I, okay, so here's my <laughs> no, thing. I'm I'm just I, don't, I don't ask people about motherhood, but no, I was just curious about it because you question. mentioned your name and you talked about that. Yeah. And yeah. I, I, I just, you know, my experience of motherhood is like, I'm in the flight and the baby's crying. Right. Or, right. Yeah. Or like. Hey, do you want to do this thing? I can't. I don't have a babysitter today. Right. So it's like, right. why What's would I want that? <laughs> What's wonderful? That's how I was like, do you hear that? Because people will probably be like, what do you mean when you say it's wonderful? So I'm like, no. but, but when we're talking about them, you yeah. know, just the way you mentioned their names and how important it is that they have those names. I'm like, okay, so like, you're doing all this saving the world thing. How are you, you know? Your kids, like, what's that? Yeah, like, yeah, it's 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 been, when I say, for me, it's, um, I think when I say it's it's wonderful or it's been wonderful, um, is, is not to say that it has not been challenging. Um, because, because I think most things in life are, are challenging, but they are, they can still be absolutely beautiful at the same time, mm -hmm. right? I think they, those two, <laughs> two things can sort of coexist. Um, I, I would say, I think when I, I, I love to spend time with my children, I love to just see how they're growing. We were talking about it earlier and I was saying, I think for me, it's just absolutely amazing watching these beings that were born and, you know, literally just needed you for support to just like lift their head up, never mind anything else, right? Um, and now I have a four-year-old who's, you know, running around. She has her graduation from daycare tomorrow that she's calling a graduation. Oh, wow. Um, and she's super excited about, like, it's just, you see that and it's just it's absolutely amazing um mm. you know of course there are other aspects to it um as far as you know sleepless nights and whatnot but i think when you look at it as a whole it's just absolutely absolutely beautiful and there's there's purpose in that mm. there's purpose i think it's when i think of the couple of things that i have been called to do in this life this is one of the greatest ones is to be able to raise my children um so i absolutely i i love I love that. I love being a mom. I would not trade it for anything in the world. Um, I may not be able to to just up and go the way that I was able to before I had kids. Mm. Um, but you know, then you stay at home and you're with them, and you say, "But this is such this is such a blessing that I I cannot take for granted." Right? Um, yeah. yeah. So I love it. It's a very different model. Um, <laughs> of parenting from when we were back home because of the amount of support that was there. It was um, everybody. Yes, you can go to this auntie's house. Exactly, or that person will take care of this exactly. one. Exactly. Versus nobody. Y yeah, it's very different. And Daycare so, or babysitting. Which, which is, you know, is not cheap, right? right? And so back home, and my my mother is currently here, um, visiting for for a couple of months, and just been providing like great support with the kids too, which has been super helpful for me. Um, and my my husband's parents are also here, so they're also helpful. So, right. um, we're compared to what I know is the reality of a lot of people here, we're very mm. spoiled. But it's it's been interesting having conversations with my mom where we sort of compare what motherhood and even more so being a working mom looks like um, in our different realities. Mm. So back home, my mom was a working mom, um, but because there was help, we had, um, we had um, people who would um, help with 
cooking, cleaning. Mm-hmm. I'm always like, I'm not sure about what the PC term is so for for like how, yeah yeah. So we call them like maids back home, right? right so right. you would have your your maid who would double up as like the nanny, who would double up as the cook, who would double up as the person who was doing the cleaning. Mm. Um, and so if you were a working mom, and 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 I have to say just because I know that 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 type of help here is a great privilege back home it's the norm yeah, to have you that know, you know what people everything in life you kind of need context right because mm-hmm, exactly. the first thing that shocked well so many things about canada shocked me but one of the things that shocked me was that i had to put my own gas Right, exactly. Yeah, me too. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> just waiting, waiting for somebody to come and be like, "Okay, how much gas are we like, putting?" Yeah. So, so, so then, uh, then the uh, the next thing was like, "Oh, something's broken in the house. I have to learn to right. fix it myself." Exactly. So then uh, exactly. I realized that. Canada is kind of the reverse in like Africa. Labor is cheap. Yes. And exactly. here's like labor. So like you can exactly. see someone driving, like living in a big ass house and like, that's a plumber's house? Yeah. That's a plumber's <laughs> house. That's back home. It's like that a plumber would, yeah. is just, you know. Yeah, exactly. So it's you, very It has different. to be put in context. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, even there are people here that have access to that. It's just like they are really, really. You have to be yeah, really, really, really rich, rich to get that here. here. Exactly. But if you have a job, you can get that. Yeah. In Africa, yeah. So. Absolutely. That's you're absolutely right. That context is important. That yeah. you know, it's it's not that you have to be filthy rich to be able to have a maid. Mm. Like it's just it's most people will have that type of support in you know in some in some form Mm. um and so for my mom she'd wake up somebody else was was going to get the kids ready for school um by the time she came back home somebody else had cleaned somebody had washed the kids somebody had made supper i mean you know it's just and now i'm like okay somebody else like the somebody else is me (laughs) i'm doing all of that um and so having those conversations with her now is just really interesting because we're also like i think we take for granted just how much work our maids have to do and you don't have an appreciation for it until you now have to do it by yourself Mm -hmm. and you're like so we were really putting a lot of pressure on them to you know come home and and i'm not saying my mom did this i'm just saying in general when you hear those conversations where you know women will come home and like well the kids are washed but like you missed a spot you know I'm, I'm exaggerating here and I'm like you know like it's just it's not that easy to right. do when you have kids who are demanding so much of you um yeah. so so the juggling hence the professional juggler when I laughed mm. I was thinking about it the other day and I was like that's literally what you have to be to be not and not even to be a working mom just to be a mom you yes. have to be a professional yes. juggler because you're juggling so much mm. mentally there's so many things that you're thinking of decisions that you have to make um if you have work as well you're trying to juggle work you're trying to juggle motherhood you're trying to juggle um you know how your house has to be clean and presentable and people need to eat so but but hey groceries need to be bought for people to eat and then you need to decide what are we eating for supper that is I think people underestimate like the mental work that even goes into like what are we eating for supper tonight with my with with my husband um it's it's like again yeah having to like juggle all of those things um and be very present in all of those spaces um I'm very thankful that my husband is very understanding that is the thing having yeah. a, a partner that understands and supports you yes right? yes right. exactly exactly and my husband my husband is very supportive he's very present again 
we also come from a context where back home, your most husbands are not like providing support. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Like they're, like, they're not. They're hey, just. The they're money's just, around. Yeah, they're, right? <laughs> they're just not doing that. Right. Um, and so you come here, and I'm very thankful that um, that my my husband is very supportive. Mm. Um, I think that also comes from having parents that raise you in a way where you can do that. So, mm. um, yeah, like shout out to my parents-in-law too, because of course they raised him, right? And so um, I, I'm very very grateful in that sense. Um, but the juggling act is tough. Mm-hmm. And then I come back to like my faith where I'm like literally for the juggling to happen, like half the time I don't know how I'm juggling, but I'm just like, okay, God, like you take this, you take, like if they were literally like balls that I was juggling, it's like, okay, you've got this, <laughs> you've got that, you've got, because it's hard. Mm-hmm. It's hard. And so when you ask me like, how is motherhood? Um, it's absolutely wonderful. Um, it's not easy because you're juggling a lot and now you actually have the, the, the difference, I think, in terms of all of those things, if you were to take motherhood out, is you don't have people who are depending on you when you have everything. Mo- for everything. You know, when- I'm old and stuff. And like when my mom comes, I'm like, I just become a baby. I'm like, I'm not yeah. doing shit. So I can't even imagine. I can't even imagine. Yeah. Yeah. No, they literally depend on you. For My daughter will say, and I mean, I guess that makes sense. She'll say like, I brushed my teeth yesterday. So you're brushing my teeth today. <laughs> so, you know, it's like, you can't just be like, go and brush your teeth and put yourself to bed and do this and make your own food. And right, you have to be involved with mm. that. Um, but I think if you don't see like the calling and the beauty of that, um, you can, you can, you can miss it totally. And you can become like just maybe really, really angry about, and I, and I, people's realities are different, right? I, I think people, motherhood is so vast in terms of our experiences, but I think for myself, um, I have to like, outside of like, you know, you watch your kids and they're joyful and you're happy and you're grateful. I think even in those times when it feels like this is really exhausting, um, you have to see that there's a lot of beauty in that in, as far as just being called to like raise other human beings, right? And what they could potentially do and be um, in this life and the influence that that they can have. Um, so, yeah, I love it. Wow. We're done with the two that we have, but I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I love okay. it. Okay, so um, you, I guess, you know, with the air hostess and the things like you're, kid whatever but with the directing and thing you actually went as far as applying what are what is it about acting and directing that you wanted to like why why were you pulled to it why did you want to try it or at least consider trying it um storytelling and the the ability to be part of stories Mm. Um, I, I really, really enjoyed that. Uh, my brother and I, we would watch movies and then we would like make up movies and we would act them and like cut and action. And well, I like, did the cut first, like action. And then like you do something and you cut. Um, and then, um, and we would record like back then they had like the, what are like the home videos where you record. So my dad was big on like capturing moments and everything. So sometimes oh, so we you would must have that. a lot of baby, you know, we, like, yeah, we have tons. That is so cool. <laughs> We have tons. Yeah. And so I think for me, it was just the ability to tell stories. When I went to high school, I was in the the drama club. Um, Ah. And so and then you'd have like competitions. We had the National Institute of Allied Arts um, where you'd perform and you would get a grade. So right down to things like monologues. 
um, a friend of mine, we used to, we had a segment where you'd um, do the news. Um, ah. And so you could do like a playful skit around that. But I think I just, I loved being able to tell stories um, and being able to act them out. Um, and then I always felt like as far as the directing part was concerned, like it would be, you know, you, you want things to go a certain way too. <laughs> and it would be interesting to just also like be able to step behind the scenes. Did you um, ever consider producing? No, I don't think so. I don't think I fully knew what it entailed aside you from know, being the money. You know, because as you are, so, <laughs> because as you are talking about money. it, I think you have more a producer's mind than it, like yeah. directing show or whatever. But I think you have more a producing mind because like what people don't, like the producer is kind of like the, you know, the wizard of Oz behind. Mm. is the person that is kind of making everything happen. Everybody on the film is working for the producer, so you right. should really consider that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> with all these cool sets you have, anyway, anyway, I have like a pinball brain. I'm like, it's just like things are lighting up. Yeah, I'll talk when the camera is off. Okay. Um, so art and acting and stuff leads me to talk about your spoken word. I I yeah. love the one. <laughs> the the things you said they're so personal though yeah like like how are you able to share such personal stories and how did you even get into spoken word yeah um i i think if i look at like the foundation of it honestly i like if i had to like trace it right back right to the beginning i would actually say my dad Hmm. Um, so, and it didn't start as spoken word. It started off as public speaking. Ah. Um, so my dad, um, at work and in his role, and I think our culture too, used to give a lot of speeches and would encourage my brother and I to give a lot of speeches too. Um, the way our culture works is like so many things are speech opportunity, right? Mm. Um, so when you're, when you go to visit somebody's house and you have to explain why you're there, that's an opportunity to give a speech and explain this is why we're, it's a, it's a lot more than like, Hey, just came to see you. It's a formal process in my <laughs> culture. When you're leaving, you does don't that, just say. Does that, um, thing have a name? Like the saying why you're the there? The saying why you're there. Um. If it does, I'm not too sure. The, okay. the saying goodbye does. It's called kuoneka. Okay. Um, and that is now telling people that you're leaving. And you reiterate, this is why we came. We're so grateful that we saw you. And now we're heading out. And it's a whole process. And my dad would teach us to do to do that. He would encourage us to do that. Um, and he would give speeches as part of his job. And he had a book that was called, I think, like, would you please say a few words or would you like to say a few words I've forgotten? Mm -hmm. And I used to read that. So that really built up in me just public speaking and wanting to speak publicly as well. Mm. Um, I'm going to say this. Don't ask me anything about it. Okay. Um, then I was really interested in being a rapper. Um, so <laughs> I know. It's why, very why, you, why would you? Just so you don't ask me to sample some of my work, which I don't. I mean, I was like 13. I had right, like a, right, it right. was it was so funny. But okay, so rapper, <laughs> so, like okay, okay. I'm not gonna ask you to rap. Yeah. But can I at least ask why rapper? Because I think at that time, like it for me, like I was interested in music too. Oh, right. But then, like I like liked poetry, public speaking. Like when you sort of bring oh. it all together, right? Then I was like, oh, 
let me be like a rapper, which mm-hmm. yeah, it's just was a, a phase. But coming back to like the spoken word, I think it became like bringing together like the public speaking. I didn't really want to like, I, I, mean, I like I'm like I didn't want to be a rapper anymore. Like I, it's not like I considered it as like a career or anything, mm-hmm. but I just I I kind of came into like what does it look like to bring in like spoken word and poetry and rap into like into like just like beautiful pieces mm-hmm. um and so i found it to be such a beautiful channel particularly when my father um fell ill and passed away with cancer um passed away from cancer what's the right way to say it now i'm, I'm not going to get stuck in those i'm yeah. going to be thinking about it passed di- yes passed away from cancer there we go um because then it was like it's a way for me to like express my emotions um mm. and and ha- and and what happened and be able to write that um and i really for me i think then also getting the feedback from people it was like oh there's a real gift there um and for me again coming back to to my faith is where there's a gift it's also like how do you utilize this as a tool to be able to um uplift encourage other people um and give god the glory and so for me then it became a tool that i was also using to tell my story to tell the story of other people to tell um the story of i think who god is in my life um and i yeah i think that's how it, we sort of came came to that but it was really from my dad laying that foundation of like being confident to speak publicly mm-hmm. um and having the creativity creativity to like how do you craft a speech or how do you craft this piece and then you bring the actress piece to it too so i think it mm. all sort of converged to spoken word mm. yeah wow condolences on your dad okay. um wow okay you know what we have to do this again Because I have so many questions and I'm like, oh, running out of time. Okay, so so I'm going to let you go with this one, though. <clears throat> you know, when you bring all these <clears throat> different aspects of you, mm-hmm. the work you do, being a mom, juggling, your faith and everything. What are some things that you are doing for just for you right because mm. all these things you are doing for all these other people yeah what what is something or some things that you do just for cheta yeah you know i th- this question is always so revealing it's like the what do you do for fun and i always shut down <laughs> i don't know <laughs> i don't know it's like it's a question that scares me so much because it's so revealing um as far as what am i doing for myself and um i would start off by saying not enough <laughs> um i i it's a good question it's a good question i am probably not doing enough for myself uh, the things i love to do i love to write um uh i love to write and i think it would be nice for me to to figure out how to carve out um time to do those things for myself mm-hmm. um and so because i i think you you don't want to be serving or pouring from an empty cup which i think can be very easy to do when you're doing things for other people and not for yourself mm. um so here's hoping i'll give myself the grace and tell myself that my son is a year old so i'm slowly getting back into things that i do for myself um but but my my desire would be to um to to do a lot more for myself around creative outlets um even just small things it doesn't have to be big things like let me just have time to sit and write in my journal or read a book 
um, I'm getting older and, and your body will tell you, I need to do things like that are fitness wise. I just, I need to work out. I have it. I'm, I'm part of a, a tennis WhatsApp group. Um, and I've been part of it for, I think almost a month and haven't been to a single practice. I paid for fit for less, um, uh, membership for a year and a half without going. Those, that is you. But it's you how the they people. get you, though. Yes, yes. It's how they get you because <laughs> yeah. like, you don't realize. It's like $7 off your debit yeah, card and you yeah. just don't realize it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I need to do that. So there are things that I need to I need to do for myself. Mm. Um, yeah, the question is always telling because it, it makes me think that that is absolutely important. There's a lot of pouring out that you do and you just don't realize that you're, you're not pouring into yourself. So. Wow. Good question. Next time you talk to me, hopefully I'll have a. I'm like I'm now part of the. T- I'm, I, I've played at least one tennis match. At yeah, least one. At least one. <laughs> Chenza, thank yeah. you so much for coming thank today. Thank you so much, Israel. I appreciate it. Thank you. Mm-hmm.